Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hey, it's Simone here. This is an excerpt from a limited podcast series I'm doing with Carl Lowenthal called Outside the White Box, where we weave together our unofficial expertise in history, philosophy, sociology, etc., and thought work to challenge the quote-unquote white box of mainstream self-development and to elevate the coaching conversation. You can listen to the full episode on your favorite podcast platform by subscribing to Outside the White Box. Hold on. So I don't remember if we had that conversation about how I hate meditation. No, but let's talk about it. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I will go on the record for the first time. I'm going to be brave and, and come yeah. out and say, I hate meditation. It's not that I hate meditation. I hate the place that it takes up in this, our, our contemporary like coaching world discourse. Uh-huh. I don't think meditation is helpful for everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. I think there are so many other more accessible ways to accomplish what meditation can accomplish. Mm-hmm. I think so many people beat themselves up because they can't get themselves to meditate in the correct way that whatever teacher prescribed. Yeah. And I think that I think a lot of these things are happening, I think, because meditation as it is taught in Western society and like, you know, there's research studies on meditation now and it's all fine, but it's sort of divorced from the context in which it's practiced and understood in a lot of these traditional lineages. Right. Yeah. So if a client comes to me and says, I've been trying to meditate, (laughs) this is like my personal agenda, I'd be like, fuck meditation, go for a walk instead. I, for, this is like a scientifically studied thing, but if you have certain, I want to call them brain conditions. If you're uh, prone to certain, um, yeah, if you're an anxious ruminative. If you have a trouble with anxious and intrusive thoughts, or if you have trauma, can, right? Yeah, meditation can that, worsen them. Meditation can worsen them, and it can yeah. make people really feel like they're broken and, and defective because they can't do this thing that everybody says is so good for them. Totally. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think when I found thought work, I was like, oh. This is why I can't really meditate. I mean, I had I had studied meditation and practiced it, and it did sort of help in some in some ways. Like I think so many it, better ways to go. Listen, if you love meditation, power to you. Keep you know doing what you love. But I am sort of steeped in like a a very old traditional you know Buddhist culture, and meditation is not prescribed by Buddhist yeah. teachers and monks to lay people. Right. You know, and, and there are meditative practices that are prescribed for you to, you know, work on your spirituality, but they all involve movement. They involve reading. They involve, you know, things that aren't just sitting still and trying not to scratch yourself where you itch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's not, right. And also we're collapsing, like there's so many different practices, right? That's like true. I think yeah. for me, the kinds of meditation that I tended to find helpful were meditations that either involved active breathing practice, mm-hmm. right? Which like yeah. gives you something to do. You're not just yeah. like yeah. trying to watch your brain or were a lot of kind of involved a lot of like somatic awareness work, which for as somebody who was always living in my head was helpful, yeah. but we're, yeah. I mean, first of all, obviously we should have disclaimed this at the beginning. There's so many different kinds of meditative traditions, right? There's Buddhist meditation, there's Hindu form, forms of meditation, there's I mean, Jews have mystical meditation, like all peoples. Yeah. I think most peoples have had some kind of practice of you sit quietly and try to connect to whatever. And sometimes yeah. you have psychedelic experiences and sometimes you hate it and sometimes nothing happens and sometimes you 
have breakthroughs and whatever. But I do think, I mean, part of, I, I agree with you, but that part of what goes wrong is, especially with that decontextualization, I find half the people I know who are trying to meditate are completely confused about what's supposed to happen. Like they think that they're exactly. sitting silently and having a blank mind, which is not achieving all, enlightenment. Yeah. Right. Which is like not at all what's supposed to happen. And my experience for sure was that, and for most of my clients, especially when they were all lawyers was like, their brains were way too anxious and like obsessive yeah. and ruminative for that to be yeah. helpful. And thought work yeah. was a way of teaching them the practice of observing and disidentifying from your thoughts without having to sit in meditation. This is just a hypothesis yeah. I just came up with. I could be wrong, but this decontextualization that we're talking about, you know, it could it be that I think secular meditation might be a kind of a new thing. I think for the most part in most parts of the world where it was taught traditionally, it's probably a part of some spiritual context, yeah, right? And so for, for Buddhism, for example, it's not meditation just to quiet your thoughts in which it's divorced from any kind of spiritual context. It's like you are meditating within like... I mean, the word theological is wrong, but it's kind of like, like a Buddhist spiritual context, right? There's like the Buddha heart and then there's whatever, all the th things. And I love like Christian mm -hmm. meditative methods, like being a Christian. I think there's a rich history of it that a lot of people ignore. Mm -hmm. And that too, it's not just sitting still, like you're praying or you're saying certain words or whatever, doing meditative things, but to connect to the heart of Christ, to hear God, to be in conversation with God. And I don't know anything about Jewish meditative practice, but I would it's, it's all situated, right? Yeah. But when you take this spiritual context away, I think that's when the sort of confusion can start. So what's supposed to happen? What am I, right? And you're not with a teacher or a spiritual leader who's like really mentoring you and teaching you the process. But there's also- right. It's like, like, it's like divorced from lineage. It's like practices yeah. divorced from lineage. Not that that is like evil, but it can leave people having experiences that feel sort of disembodied and weird and, yeah. and they blame themselves, which is the biggest right. problem. They also just don't even understand what's supposed to happen. Like, I think that, right. you know, I was felt lucky, like living in New York where there was, you know, you could go to the Tibetan Buddhist center and study under teachers who could give Dharma and who had a lineage. Like that was a different experience. Those There's teachers are few and far in between, in my humble opinion, like <laughs> teachers with actual legit lineage. I mean, that's just a thought, but you know, anybody can proclaim right. to teach meditation and I'm not against that, but it's just, I don't know, putting things in context. Yeah. But I also think like the whole reason that it has been possible for sort of the Western world to decontextualize, I think like, especially Buddhist forms of meditation is that from a Western perspective, like you don't imagine like apps built on like Jewish meditation or a Muslim meditation or Christian mm. meditation. Right. But because in a very, like, I don't know what the word is for a sense, like Centering religions that have the concept of an, um, I guess it's just Judeo-Christian or monotheistic, like in a monotheistic religious framework, look at Buddhist practices and like, be like, well, that's not a religion. There's no Jesus. Like, right. There's like, yeah. there's no God. There isn't this like one dude who's right, the center right, of everything. Right. So we would see it as religious instead from a like Christian religious standpoint that somehow kind of like, well, just it's, you know, like there's no kind of, you see what I'm saying? It's like easy to decontextualize because I think from a because there's not one dude. That's such a great point. Like, yeah, we don't think it's a real religion unless there's right. one one dude in the sky. <laughs> right, right. Like, they're like, this isn't a religious practice. We can all do totally it. It's is. not religious. It's just right. Whatever. It's just like paying attention to your breath. That doesn't have anything to do with God, right? Because it's like coming from this monotheistic religion. 
that yeah. like doesn't recognize other religions if they don't at least have, if not one God, you could have a lot of gods maybe, but like not, you got to have like some kind of deity. This is a whole other rant that I have, but sort of like <laughs> Westerners regarding non-Western spiritual traditions as more like benevolent and harmless, just because again, the absence of one dude in the sky. Right. And listen, like Buddhism is not like inherently Hinduism, not inherently like more peaceful and enlightened just because of the absence of one dude. Like, yeah. like humans are human everywhere. Like, well, right. we're it's gonna- like the idea that women are just naturally like gentle. Yeah, exactly. That's like, sexism. And this, in this context is like Orientalism. It's like, Oh, yeah. Buddhists, they're all just like chill and peaceful. No, they're not. <laughs> Buddhists get been, into wars with each other. <laughs> there's never been any violence or oppression in any country. No, a- Asia never any happened. <laughs> hey, if you want to enrich your self-coaching, better serve your clients, and gain a bigger field of vision around the whole human experience, subscribe to the Outside the White Box podcast. We're bringing together meaty conversations about where all these ideas come from every week for a limited time. You can find the Outside the White Box podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and I'll see you later this week for a regularly scheduled Joyful Marketing Podcast programming. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time.